0: Let's look at this section of Scripture together. Revelation 8, verse 1. And when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God and, and from the hand of the angel. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashings of lightning and an earthquake. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet and there followed "...hail and fire uh, mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass. The second angel blew his trumpet. Something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed." And the third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of this star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. And the fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars. So that a third of their light might be darkened, a third of the day might be kept from shining, likewise a third of the night, and I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it drew as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth, as the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Let's pray, heavenly Father, Lord God, we just uh, we thank you for the opportunity that we have. God, to open your word, and and Lord, we pray that you would anoint this time. Father, as we uh, just look at what you have for us this evening, Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes that see and, and ears that hear, Lord. We have a desire to comprehend, to understand what is the height, the depth, the width, and the breadth of the love of Christ. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes to your word, Father, and help us see. And Lord, we, we seek your blessing and your anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so we have stepped now into what's called the trumpet judgments. Now what you'll begin to notice, with each of the judgments, we have the bowls or the vials coming up. You have the trumpets just now. And earlier we had the seals. And every time the judgments are given, they're given in a succession. We have four given. Remember we had the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And then you have emphasis on the final three. The first four sometimes, like, for example, with the trumpets. First four dealing primarily with the earth. Uh, cosmos, the last three dealing with people. There's a division always. Four and three, four and three, four and three. Horse, four horsemen in apocalypse. Then we have those following the cry of the martyrs under the altar. Now we have the four trumpets laid out in chapter 8. Chapter 9 we'll open up the first of the three woes that are to come. <clears throat> so as we look at this, we peel apart the veil for this section. We want to understand first the preparation for these judgments. And we see it in verse 1, if you look at it. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Now there's been a ruckus, right? We've seen thunder and lightning and a bunch of noise and a bunch of things cosmically spoken about the earth being shaken the heavens being shaken all these radical things taking place and then in the midst of all those things god says shh and there's just nothing for a while and most people there's two reasons why most people see or or believe that god does this one to emphasize the judgments that are yet to come basically it's to say you haven't seen nothing yet in verse 13 it's the same thing An eagle flying through the heavens saying, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Basically, you haven't seen nothing yet. These are all partial judgments that we looked at, right? Each one of these judgments affecting how much of the earth does it say? A third. Which the emphasis is, it's not total. It's not total. But when we get to the vials, it's total. It's everywhere. It's everywhere you look. So now, it's a third. Then, it'll be total. So, so emphasizing, now, as we go, as we work our way through Revelation, things get increasingly worse and worse and worse as we move forward. The judgments get greater and greater and greater as we go. But also, we see in the context, there's an issue of the prayers coming up before the Lord. So it may be that the silence for half an hour is the is the silence for the prayers, as the prayers are gathered up, just to emphasize God's focus, God's attention. Remember last week, we had 144,000. We remember? 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And we saw an innumerable host, a host that could not be numbered, of, of men and women who come to faith as a result of the 144,000. An innumerable host, the Bible tells us, from every tribe, tongue, nation, everywhere you might look, there will be people who will come to salvation through the tribulation period. Now, those people <coughs> who are coming to to faith during the tribulation period, during this period of time as we come into the seven trumpets, you think they're praying? I bet they are. And so when we consider the fact that they are making prayers, and I think what we see in the beginning of chapter 8 is the answer to the prayers we looked at in chapter 6, we'll see that in just a second, but God's It's like an emphasis on God gathering up the prayers, if you will. Gathering up uh, the prayers that that men have made. So the silence, heavenly silence. Speaking of the dread to follow and the gathering of prayers. So there's a a preparation happening in heaven. There's a heavenly preparation for this judgment that is about to fall. And then it says, then I saw the seven angels who stand before God. Every time I see definite articles, we'll, we'll see where one is important in just a few verses. When we see definite articles, there are a specific group of people God's talking about. You with me? So when he says the seven angels, he's not just talking about random seven angels. There's a specific seven angels. And there's a lot of things we might consider when we consider these seven angels. The seven you have Jesus told that he's holding the seven stars in his hands, and the Bible tells us who are those seven stars. It says the angels of the seven churches. The Bible doesn't say pastor; it says angels of the seven churches. That he has a specific angels. Does that mean there are angels that have authority over or some kind of guidance over churches? Perhaps it does. I don't know. I just know what the Bible says. It says, "There you go." You have. You have uh, seven angels to the seven church. You have the seven spirits before God. Specific things being spoken of. Here it's interesting because we really go outside of the Bible. A little bit of speculation to talk about these seven. But there's a book called the book of Enoch. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a Jewish apocrypha. Apocrypha just means the writings. It's outside. It's not part of scripture. Shouldn't be considered as scripture. Although... The book of Jude does quote from the book of Enoch. But one of the things, one of the interesting things in the book of Jude, just a side note, it names the seven angels. The seven angels are, and it, according to the book of Enoch, right or wrong, tradition, we're talking about Jewish legend and tradition here, the the legend or tradition is that these are the archangels. Uh, Here's their names. Uh, Uriel, Raphael, raguel michael sarah Kyle, gabriel and ramiel and as you look at them each one has within his name l l l you see l l l over and over again in their names that's hebrew for god so god is a part of or within their name now whether these are the seven angels i thought it's interesting you know out of out of a jewish tradition comes a concept of a specific seven angels you know what their job is Taking care of prayers. Gathering up. So interesting again that we have a thing about prayer as we look in here. Uh, they, they have uh, specific responsibilities. So interesting side note, but there are specific. Seven angels, God has purpose for the seven trumpets. And then it says we have these trumpet sounds. Each were given seven trumpets. Now it's interesting because in Greek there's one word for trumpet. In Hebrew there's two. Two words for trumpet. You have the shofar. You guys have probably seen a shofar before. It's like that curly horn. If you came with us to Israel, you saw shofars for sure. You have this curly horn. You can, you can, if you are an expert trumpeter, perhaps you can make sound on it. I can't make it do nothing unless I hum. If I hum in it, then it makes something. But, but otherwise, I couldn't make no noise on the shofar. The other one. A hasower, a hasower is a, a term for the trumpets of the temple, the silver trumpets. More, more like a, a trumpet than the horn was. But because the Greek word is could be either, we don't know which one it is. But here's what we do know. Each of those trumpets were used for similar things. They were used for warnings. Now when we think about warnings and you think about What's going on? we look at the judgments of God, remember the concept that these trumpet judgments are not total. They're partial. So each one can be seen as a warning to the earth, ultimately, because there are seven judgments coming that aren't going to be partial, that are going to be total when we see them. So we look at verse 3. We see a strong angel. Let's see. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. Uh, some, <clears throat> some of our translations say a, a strong angel, another strong angel. And for some reason, because of the, the, the connection with prayer, a lot of people want to say, well, this angel is Christ, fulfilling his high priestly role that we've been reading about in the book of Hebrews. The Greek doesn't allow us to do that, because the Greek, there's two words for another. There's a the word heteros. You should be familiar with the word hetero, because we use it in descriptions today, right? Heteros means different, another of a different kind. And then there's the Greek word alos. Alos means another of the same kind. We've just been talking about seven angels given seven trumpets, prepared to sound, and the Bible says, and another, like the seven angels, is grabbing the censer. Another of the same kind. It's just another angel that God has that has, is fulfilling His role. This is not a picture of Christ. This is another angel coming. What is He coming with? He's coming and standing at the altar of the golden censer. Now you remember... The altar. What altar are we talking about? We're talking about the altar for prayer. Which altar was that? You guys remember? The golden altar, which stood right before the throne. Remember I told you the golden altar goes right before the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies is symbolic for the throne of God. Remember? Ark of the Covenant, the seat, that's the throne. You have the mercy seat on top of the box, the Ark of the Covenant. It's a picture of the throne. Beside... The Ark of the Covenant, there are two cherubim. You remember I told you cherubim are throne guardians. So you have two throne guardians on either side of the Ark of the Covenant looking down on what is the throne of God, the place of judgment. Right in front of the place of judgment was a golden altar. That's where the prayers were offered. So it says this angel takes a golden censer. A golden censer would have been used by the high priest in offering incense in the tabernacle as prayers to God. So the golden the golden censer before the golden altar, it says, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of how many of the saints? All the saints, right? So there's a <clears throat> the symbolic of prayers. Now, there's been a pretty common prayer throughout all of God's people for a long time. And that is, how long will the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer? How long do the wicked get off and continue to grow more and more wicked? How long before you'll judge, O oh Lord? And we're going to see when we come to the bold judgments, the bulls are like God holding the, the tears and the prayers and the, and the angst of his people. And when he dumps them out on the earth, he's saying, look, I'm answering. Judgment day has come. But as we look here in the, in the seven trumpets, I just want you to see he's given much incense, not a little. So there's a lot of prayer. And it's from all the saints, all of the saints gathered in prayer, crying out to God on the golden altar before the throne. So he's standing in heaven. Now I want you to get the heavenly picture. The tabernacle is a picture of the heavenly reality. Okay. So in the tabernacle, they would offer prayers at the golden altar right in front of the veil. And you only went behind the veil once a year. But Jesus, when he died, the veil was torn. So now picture, the veil's torn, the golden altar is right before the throne. In heaven, golden altar, right before the throne of God, an angel comes with the prayers of the saints to the golden altar, offering, showing us, signifying the prayers of the saints going before the Lord. It says in Psalm 141, verse 2, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands like the evening sacrifice. So, Scripture over and over again develops this same connotation, that prayers are like incense. The golden altar, you'll remember, Exodus 30, verse 6 and 7, we've been talking about this in the book of Hebrews. And you shall put it in the front of the veil, that is above the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat, that is above the testimony, and that's where I will meet with you. And Aaron will burn fragrant incense on it, every morning, when he dresses the lamps, he will burn it. So remember, they only went behind it, once a year on Yom Kippur, until Jesus paves the way. Once Jesus paves the way, now the way is open, to the throne of God. Standing before the throne of God, the golden altar. So, we, when I remember I told you, we said, there's, these are the prayers of the saints, crying out to God. So let's just back up and remember, uh, a couple of weeks ago we read this prayer. Turn in your Bible, just flip a page over, and you'll come to Revelation chapter 6, verse 9, and we talk about the fifth seal. It says, now when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain. For the word of God, for the witness they had borne, they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And they were each given a white robe and told the rest a little while longer until the number of fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. So here, this is part of the prayers that's going up. So we have the angel, golden censer, Prayers of the saints, a lot of them gathered up, standing before the throne of God. Then look at verse uh, verse four. It says, "And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel, and the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar. Now the altar, the golden altar, would have been would have had coals upon it. Remember, you have to burn incense." was some kind of a coal, right? There had to be fire to burn the incense. So they would get the coals from the altar of sacrifice. From the altar of sacrifice, fire would be brought to the golden altar, the altar of sacrifice where the lamb was slain, right? Same kind of a picture. So he's taken the, 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 the coals from that and they're placed on the golden altar and that's where the, the incense is burned. And where's the incense go? Up. So, what do we see in heaven? The same thing happening. What's it picture? The prayers of the saints coming before God Almighty. Now, it's important to understand that coal and the use of that coal because you're going to see coals from the altar used a variety of times in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 6, when in the In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up his train, filled the temple. Isaiah has a meeting with God Almighty. And as he's standing before God Almighty, he says, Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, I'm a sinner. I'm a broken guy, I shouldn't be standing here before Almighty God. So God says to the angel, go get a coal from the altar. So he takes a coal from the altar, he walks it over to Isaiah and he touches his lips with the coal. Remember, it's the same place from which a sacrifice is made. And then the Lord says to him, Your sins are purged. So the coals, it's a picture of the purging of the forgiveness of sins that we find in the sacrifice of the Lamb, ultimately the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That same fire brought, that's the reason we're able to pray. That's the reason we're able to get into the throne of God, isn't it? Can I get to the throne of God without the blood of Jesus Christ? Apart from the blood of Jesus Christ, he said, There's no other way to my Father except through me. So I come through that blood. That's the fire. That's the, the thing that causes the incense to burn. It's what paves the way for us to go before the Lord. Why is it that a sinner can call on the name of the Lord and, and pray to be saved? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross. Because the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient. Because he is our propitiation. He paid the price, not for me only, but for the whole world. That's what John says in 1 John. For the whole world. So the way is paid. Anyone, whosoever will, can come. But they only get to come, how? Through the blood of Jesus Christ, symbolized by the coals, the fire that burns before the throne of God. Now look what happens. So the angel took that censer and filled it with fire from the altar... And threw it to the earth. This is God's answer to the prayers. He takes a censer, the censer, the, all the prayers, the incense is burning in the censer. <clears throat> he puts fire in the censer and he throws it to the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumbling, flashing of lightning, and an earthquake. So what's happened? We had the prayers going before God. God answers, the angel throws it to the earth, and you have the response of the earth. The response of the earth is peals of thunder, rumblings, flashings of lightning, and an earthquake. What's that all mean? That signifies something's about to happen. What's about to happen? Seven angels are about to blow seven trumpets. The trumpet, again, is a picture of alarm. Hey, judgment is coming. Look, this is what God could have done. God could have said, you know, on... on. Uh, you know, whatever, what's today, the 25th? On the 25th of January at uh, 7.35, I'm just going to wipe out it all and judge it all at once. Boom, push, gone. But that's not what God does. He gives us six seals. Each of those seals gradually going from, from bad to worse. He gives us seven trumpet judgments, all sounding an alarm. Judgment's coming, judgment's coming, judgment's coming. All that are partial judgments, not global judgments, all that are localized, not global, all shouting out to the world, judgment's coming, judgment's coming, judgment's coming. I'm giving the alarm. I'm letting you know that the time has come and you need to get your life right. He does that for more than six years before he brings the end. That's why when we look at the book of Revelation, it's it's hard when we see all these judgments to see a God of mercy, but you need to see a God of mercy because a God without mercy would have just whacked it all in one day, boom, gone. Because he doesn't need seven years to roll this scroll up, right? He can do it in a second. But if he does it in a second, there's not a multitude that can't be numbered of people who come to the Lord as a result. Keep that in mind. Through those seven years, there are men and women coming to faith. So it says in verse 6, Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. Here comes the judgments of God. Again, I want you to understand that the trumpets are a picture of warning. Of warning. This is not, the by any stretch of the imagination, the worst part of the judgments of God. So it says in Joel 2 1, it says, Blow a trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. That's what God's doing through these judgments. The day of the Lord is coming, ultimate judgment is coming. The time is coming. Really, guys. To me the day of the Lord the ultimate day of judgment is at the great white throne which we don't even see until Revelation chapter 20. Everything else is leading up to that because until you stand before God Almighty at the great white throne judgment you're you're not in hell yet. So you have this sound the trumpet's warning, hey, hey the judgment of God, the day of the Lord, these things are coming. And these trumpets are letting you know, they're sounding the warning, get right. Get right. Joel 2, 13 through 15. Listen, here's what the prophet Joel said to the people during a similar time. (coughs) He said, rend your hearts and not your garments. You know how you read over and over in scripture, Jesus does something and and the high priest tears his garments. Oh, blasphemy. Well, God, through the prophet Joel says, don't tear your garments, tear your hearts. Who cares about your sh- your shirt? All that is just a show. The reality is when what's torn is your heart. What's torn is what's inside you. Rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. Listen. For He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He relents over disaster. Who knows whether He will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind Him a grain offering or a drink offering for the Lord your God. So blow the trumpet. Sound the warning. He says, consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. What's the point that he's saying? Get your lives right with God. That's what the trumpet indicated. Get right. Call the fast. Stand properly before the Lord God. Get ready, for the day is coming. Then it says in verse 7, The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. They were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned, a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Now keep in mind, we're dealing with judgments of thirds. That'll be an important thing to understand. We talk about the green grass He's talking about all the green grass and a third of the earth. Not all the green grass on the entire earth. It's all thirds. Third, third, third. All applies to all three. And the third is probably not a hard, fast line. A third is another way of saying this is not a total judgment. This is a partial judgment. This hail that comes down. Hail mingled with fire and blood. We saw it in Egypt. We saw it in the plagues of Pharaoh. The same thing going on. God's bringing down this this judgment. Now, <clears throat> I, unlike a lot of other people, I like to see the judgments of God like actually judgments of God. So, you know, some people might say, it's is like a nuclear explosion that brings it, or uh, it's like hail and fire falling out of heaven. So men know where this came from. Otherwise, just a bomb set off by the Antichrist or somebody else. No, I think people are going to know. What do, what do we call it when, this, when, when a tidal wave wipes out an entire island? Every single insurance company calls it the same thing. What do they call it? Act of God. So everybody knew, right? Everybody knows. You have hailstone, fire, and blood falling out of heaven. You think people are going to, what are they going to call it? Act of God. You got a a bomb landing on someplace, blowing them up, and then you have, you know, the weird effects of nuclear attack taking place. They're gonna blame that on somebody else. So I think this is God. Trumpet sounds, the judgment of God falls. But I want you to understand it's thirds. Third of the trees or or on the earth, a third, a portion, a part, a piece we'll see why that is important in a, in a couple of chapters because there's still grass in a couple of chapters so i want you to see that uh, a third of the earth is burned up there's fire third of the trees burned up and all the grass all the grass in that portion all the grass in a third of the world you with me if we divide the world in thirds now i don't think god drew lines on the earth but maybe we'll find out i'm wrong when we get to heaven <clears throat> but the point is there's it's going to be tragic but it's not total Understand, it's going to be tragic, but it's not total. And when it's not total, what does that mean? Man still has time. Man still has time. There's still time to repent. There's still time to get right. Because whatever suffering happens here on earth is not even worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed when we stand with God in heaven. So if we understand that, if we comprehend that then the suffering here is not the point. The point is what brings you what's it going to take to bring you to Christ. Right? Sometimes I ask myself that when I watch the news and I see uh uh you know the the the, the march the the woman's march that happened and a couple of the, the things during the inauguration and <clears throat> look I'm not uh for or against uh, uh I might shock you guys, I didn't vote for Trump, sorry. But I didn't vote for Hillary either, if that is any consolation. But the point, that's okay. But the point is, when we look at it, when I see those marches, when I see those events taking place, I think to myself, what would it take for you to repent? I mean, you honestly think you have the greatest argument and you could stand before that march and get anywhere? Because, by the way, I, I have some, some people who, who I have videos of who did that. Who, who went out on thank God they did. Praise God that they went and, and tried to be a witness and tried to talk to them. But I can tell you how every one of those conversations went. And I also can tell you it's good that they were there. Because otherwise there's no witness at all. And we, the church, are, have fallen down on our job. Because our job is not to make ourselves cozy until Jesus comes. Our job is to uh, engage the culture, and that's part of the culture. That means we should be there making noise, saying, Hey, that's not okay. (laughs) This is not right. There's a reason. And they may all reject us, but then I can stand before God and say, I sounded the trumpet. Just like you do, God. I said, Hey, you stay down this road, judgment's coming. They could all throw their hands up in the air. Bill goes out to Planned Parenthood and and occasionally there's a sign that I asked him to use. And I know sometimes he uses it. It catches a lot of flack. But the sign says babies are murdered here. You know, everybody that sees that sign that day is responsible for what they just read. Because that's plain and simple what happened. Every single Wednesday in Twin Falls, Idaho. Every single Wednesday in Twin Falls, Idaho, babies are murdered right there at Planned Parenthood. Not some faraway place, right there. And I'm thankful that Bill's faithful to stand there and and take the ridicule because there's a witness now to the people who walk in. And praise God, we've had one or two turnarounds. Praise the Lord, you know, maybe those, who knows what those babies will be. But that's not the point. The point isn't that every person who comes there gets saved. The point isn't that everyone who comes there comprehends the gospel and understands all that stuff. Because that's not reality. The point is, everybody who walked in that door was warned. This is sin. And it's not okay. You can ignore me and walk in. I'm not going to stop you. But it's sin and it's not okay. And so I was I was thankful for that voice in these places, for a voice in these areas where people are are committing horrible atrocities. And for whatever reason, guys, and I don't know how this mindset come into the church But the church started to feel like, you know, I'm good and I'm comfortable and I got a nice warm blanket and I'm just going to sit here because the world is just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse worse until it all falls apart and I can't change anything. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say go into all the world and change it so that it's not like this anymore. That's not what he said. He said go into all the world, make disciples. The only way I know how to make disciples is to do what Jesus did. What did he do? He walked in among the people and he said, come follow me. Did everybody come? Oh, imagine that. But he went out and said, come. Teach them the things that I have taught you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And lo, know this, I am with you. When they throw tomatoes at you, I am with you. When they cuss you out, I am with you. When they hate you for my name's sake, I am with you. I am with you. It's important that we understand that that's the call of God. And we see the heart of God right here in the the trumpet judgment. God doesn't wipe out all mankind. He blows the trumpet and says, Warning! 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 Because the scripture says God has no glory in the destruction of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn, repent, and live. But the only way the wicked can turn and repent and live is if somebody says, that's wicked. And you need to repent. So I was thankful for those that I saw, the witnesses that I saw at the at the variety of marches that went around. You know, they happened all over. Um, I'm sure there was probably one in Boise. I doubt there was one in Twin, but... But they had marches all over. and So there were people who were a voice uh, for sanity, a voice for the Lord in those places. And I think it's important that there's a witness for those because God is a God who blows, who, who gives this warning. But there is judgment. Judgment does come. And sometimes I just think, what's it going to take? You read the book of Revelation and it over and over again, what's it going to take for you to repent? I look at the news, what's it going to take for you to repent? Sometimes I look at my own life. What's it going to take for you to repent? How long you got to bang your head against this stone wall before you say, yeah, I'm done. You're right, God, I'm wrong. I repent. I want to be utilized by you. We look at Revelation 8.8. 8. It says, the second angel blew his trumpet. And something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Now here's a a mistake that I think is made in 98% of the commentaries on Revelation. What sea is John talking about? The Atlantic? No. Pacific? No. What is the sea to John? The Mediterranean Sea. We're not talking about all the oceans of the world and a third of all the fish in the whole world dying. We're talking about a third of the fish in the Mediterranean Sea. When John's talking about, when he says the definite article, the sea, there's only one sea he's talking about. And that is consistent through all the Gospels, through all the Old Testament. When we talk about the sea, that's that's what's being spoken of. It's interesting because when they talk about the river, they're always talking about the Euphrates. Interesting. The distinct picture. It's a, this is a particular river. This is a particular place. <coughs> Here, when we talk about the definite article C, he's talking about the Mediterranean. So something like a great mountain burning with fire comes, falls into the sea. Falls into the sea and it's, and it's going to mess it all up, right? It's going to mess it up. It says it turns a third of the sea to blood. What does that mean? A third, we can say, well, we're drawing a line in the Mediterranean Ocean, and this part in this corner is going to turn to blood. But how often is that how we see natural disasters? But if we say a third means part and not all, part and not all of the sea is going to turn to blood, part and not all of the fish are going to die, part and not all of the ships in the Mediterranean are going to to be destroyed, it's significant still, is it not? It's significant. I guarantee you this. If you're one of the guys in the Mediterranean Ocean at the time, it's significant to you. So you have this judgment. But keep in mind, what is the judgment? A trumpet. Warning. This is the beginning of really bad stuff. Get ready. Get right. All the while, God is not looking... Shaking his fist to smash men into oblivion. All the while, God's looking to men to repent from your sin. And the same question rings through my mind. How much would it take for you to repent? Because I look, man, I look at some of these people. I've talked to some of these people and I think, what in the world would it take? What would it take for you to decide, I'm going to bow the knee before holy and just God so we have the marine life the marine life affected we have the Mediterranean sea and ultimately what's the pollution God talks about this in two other books it's the death of the fish right a lot of the folks that's that's going to be a main staple for feeding many in the Middle East the area around the Mediterranean Ocean Hosea 4 3 says therefore the land mourns And all who dwell on it languish. And also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven. Even the fish of the sea are taken away. All looking forward or speaking of the judgment of God. Zephaniah 1, 2 and 3. I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away man and beast. I will sweep away the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea and the rubble with the wicked. I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. He could do it all in one moment, but he doesn't. Why? It's a call to repentance. Repent. Repent. The Word of God lays out this concept for us. Now we look at Revelation 8.10. It says, And the third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on the third of the rivers, and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood, a third of the water became wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. Now this is interesting. This is interesting. Again, I told you I'm more of a supernaturalist than a naturalist. So if I see God say hail and fire and blood, I'm I'm okay with hail, fire and blood. It don't have to be somebody's bomb. And I'm okay with people knowing that it's God because God, they know it's God. Remember, at the end of chapter six, they hid themselves under the rocks and in the caves of the mountains and said, "Hide us from the wrath of somebody." What? No, no, of the wrath of God and the Lamb, for the day of their wrath has come. So men know. So what is this? A star from the heaven? Now, just hold on to that thought for a minute. A star, maybe it's a meteorite, something coming out of the heavens. But if you look, just turn the page, Revelation nine one. We're going to look at this next week. Revelation nine one. What does it say? The fifth angel blew a trumpet, and I saw a star falling from heaven to earth, and he was given a key. He. Remember, we talked in the beginning about stars. He holds the stars in His hands. And He says, what are the stars? The seven angels of the seven churches. The Bible talks about Jesus Christ as the morning star, the great and morning star, until the morning star rises in your heart. Over and over again throughout Scripture, stars are uh, can be used for angels. So which makes more sense? A star fallen from heaven and hitting somehow a third of the water and poisoning it all or an angel doing it and the angel could be either elect or evil it doesn't matter the the angel can be acting on behalf of god it doesn't have to be a, a, an an evil angel but this star has a name right and they call the star wormwood and wormwood, the word is absinthe. It's a it's a it's a word actually for an herb, a bitter herb, and is used synonymously in Scripture for poison. When you drink something or taste something, they say, "Man, this is this is poison." It is artemisia absinthium. It's a super bitter herb, but because it is so horrible to taste, the Bible uses it as a picture for poison. We can read about it. Jeremiah 9.15 Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will feed this people with bitter food. Absinthe, same word. Absinthe, I will feed them with bitter food and give them poisonous water to drink. Poison, poison. Jeremiah 23.15 Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with bitter food, give them poisoned water to drink. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has gone out into all the land. Same phrasing, Lamentations 3.15. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. Same exact word. We go to Lamentations 3.19. Remember my afflictions and my wanderings. The wormwood and the gall. You sit on the poison, this poison bitter herb. Amos 5.7. O you who turn justice to wormwood and cast down righteousness to the earth so wormwood there is a star his name is wormwood it could be i'm not saying it can't be a star but i can i can understand an angel affecting a third of the fresh water a star hits the ground somewhere i'm not sure how it affects a third precisely a part where would it have to land to to corrupt a third of the fresh water in what, the Great Lakes area, maybe? I don't know. But when I look at Scripture and I see in the very next chapter another star falling and to him was given a key to open up the bottomless pit, hey, we might be dealing with a, a similar thing. Why? Because this is not just a star fell from heaven. This is a star with a name. The name Wormwood, Bitter, poison. And he's going to affect a third of the water. Again, it's a trumpet judgment. It's a sound of warning. The warning, was it total? Could God have wiped out all fresh water? Could God have wiped out all the fish? Could God have burned up every tree, every blade of grass? Could God's judgment have been total? Yes. But if it was total, then judgment day has come and it's too late for repentance. But if God comes and he sounds a warning... It's a call. It's a call. It's a warning to mankind. When I raised my kids, they always got a warning. Maybe they got too many, but they always got a warning. If you don't stop... Yeah, pretty much. Just about sound just like that. And eventually, the warning stopped. And the beatings began. And it's the same thing here. Now, I'm not saying people won't die in these judgments. Certainly they will. I'm not saying life won't be hard and difficult. Certainly it will. But the question is, how much would it take you to repent? I've seen mankind stubborn. I've seen men dead wrong and go all the way to their doom and destruction dead wrong just out of spite. How long... How much, how far, how stubborn are you? Does the universe does not revolve around you and me? It does, however, revolve around the Lord God Almighty. And we want to honor him. How far will God have to go to get your attention? For me, it was HIV. That was pretty far. How far is it going to be for you? Till he gets it, till he gets all of it. Not just, oh, I'll give him a little bit. He's got a little bit of my time. Or how long till he gets it? Till, till you bow the knee in your heart, to your total surrender before God. What's he gotta do? Man, I suggest the sooner we do that, the better it is, right? The better it is to bow that knee before God. Revelation eight twelve, the fourth angel blew his trumpet. And a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. So now what mankind uses for navigation in much of the world, gone. At least a third. It's going to diminish. You're going to have a diminishing. There's not going to be as much day. Oh, so there's not as much day to get work done. There's more night. That means you have more opportunity to do all the wrong stuff everybody's been doing. Because for whatever reason, everybody likes to do it at night, right? Yeah, when the sun goes down, nobody can see me. A third of the stars, the light. I think because spiritually men have rejected the light of God, now God's going to give them a sample of what that looks in the natural world. Here's a third less Diminished light by the sun. He doesn't say diminished heat, doesn't say diminished energy. He says diminished light. Diminished light. We have short days and long days, don't we, as part of our season? Well, God says, I'm going to give you shorter days and longer nights and less starlight. So the the, the areas and the things and the way that men are, are guided natural light will be diminished. But then he moves into 13. And again this is why the trumpets are alarms they're going off watch out be careful judgment's coming And I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice I just he's he's given this picture ultimately I think this is one of the four living creatures You remember the four living creatures each had four faces one of the faces was like a flying eagle he had six wings that he could fly with and, and he didn't have to turn when he turned. Remember the scripture describes him. If, if you want to look at it both in the book of Revelation, a, a short description. And in the book of Ezekiel, a much longer description. But this, this eagle, flying eagle, flying through the heavens saying, Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's he saying? It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Man, God is saying, repent and live. Repent and live. You don't got to die. You don't have to perish. You don't have to go to hell. None of these things have to occur. You don't have to let it go that far. But God says, I'm going to judge sin. I'm just telling you, I'm going to judge it. Boy, if you put your hand in the cookie jar, I'm going to slap it. Much smaller sense, but how many times does that warning took and you didn't have to slap the hand? Because the fall of man. Now God's doing the same thing. Only that's a much graver. It's a much graver condition. (laughs) What will God have to do. To bring you to repentance. Woe to those who dwell on the earth. At the blast of the other trumpets. That the three angels are about to sound. What we've had so far is natural. What you're about to discover. Is just how nightmarish. A demonic army can be. But as next week. And as we look, as we peel apart these scriptures that lay out for us a future, the goal of looking at it and seeing this judgment of God is not one to, to freak us out and make us all afraid because, you know what? Uh, we are not under the wrath of God. We are to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, right? We're not under wrath. We're not under, unless you're a child of wrath, you're a child of wrath. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to fix that. But if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now you've moved from wrath to life. You're not under the wrath of God, but when we look at this, when we peel it back, when we see it, it's not to tell me to go get a blanket, lay down by fire, feel nice, warm, and comfy, because I'm good. The purpose of it is to say, hey, if God Almighty can sound a trumpet, why can't we? Because when we go into Ezekiel and you look at Ezekiel, Ezekiel is told, Ezekiel, you better sound a trumpet, a warning. And God says to Ezekiel, if you don't, their blood is on your hands. I don't want nobody's blood on my hands you remember when Paul said, I have the blood of all men is off my hands because I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. He said, I told you everything God said to say, I've done everything God told me to do. Your blood's not on my hands. I sound the trumpet. I blew the warning. I, I did what it was God asked me to do. You know, especially now, guys, especially with our world looking so much like a powder keg and people running around with matches that are lit in a room full of gunpowder. It's just a matter of time before something goes boom. No? It's crazy. All it took was one guy to decide to break a window in D.C. and what happens next? Cars overturned, windows busted. And before we get too crazy, don't think you couldn't have been doing that. Because the same brokenness in them dudes is in your heart. All it takes is being in the wrong place and having the right thing happen. No. You would not believe what a mob will do. You cannot believe it. People in a mob that are good, upstanding people who will do the dumbest stuff together because the heart of men is deceitful and wicked. And if a if someone's got a match and they touch that powder, it's going to go. So we have that. That's our world today. It's a perfect time for the church to stand up and say we're the light it's a perfect time for the church we don't have to be ashamed to say that's sin and it's not okay because if i don't say that's sin and it's not okay then i haven't sounded the warning where god's willing to and i want to be like him don't you I want to be. I want to have a heart like God. I want to love the things God loves. I want to hate the things God hates. And I don't want to be ashamed of it. That's wrong. That's sin. Here's the good news. That's sin and God still loves you. And He calls all men everywhere to repent and believe. So repent and believe. Now what they do with that? It's not my job. That's not my part. That's the Holy Spirit's part. He's good at doing what He does. We just need to be willing to do what we do. The church needs to awake from her slumber and realize, yeah, Jesus is coming. And when he comes, I sure want to be busy doing what he's asked me to do. Not sitting in a corner hoping it will all go away soon. Come get me, Jesus. Come get me. I want Jesus to come. I want him to come get me. I don't want to suffer any more than anybody else does. But I also want to do what he wants me to do. Yeah. I want to share the truth. Shine a light. We still got time. I didn't hear no trumpets today. We still got time. Yeah. And while we got time. Let's shine a light of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you for the opportunity we have to to study your word, to open your word, God, to look at the warnings, to look at the, the trumpet warnings of God as you declare to a lost and fallen world, there is worse days coming. And you don't have that. It doesn't have to be that way. You can have an eternity with me. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would help us, each of us to recognize and realize that it is high time for us to awake out of sleep. It's high time for us to realize that we need to engage a culture out there because if we don't add our voice to the mix, then they all think they're right. They all think it's good. They don't understand. They don't see. They're blinded to their own inconsistencies. So if we can be consistent in Christ, and if we can show them this is... This is wrong thinking. And we can bid them come, repent, and receive all that God has for you. Lord, what what could you do with our world? What, What could happen? God, I just pray that even as it was in the days of the book of Acts when... When men would stand and boldly proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. Even though it would cost them their life. They would stand up even though they were hated. Even though crazy people would come and take their property. People would come take their house. People would take the things that they had, yet they still wanted to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, even when they put them in a room and they set the wild beasts on them, as the wild beasts are running toward the people, they began in unison to sing psalms, spiritual songs, making melody in their heart as they were about to meet God. That's the heart God's looking for from His people. I pray, God, that you would ignite that fire in our hearts. That's a heart we want. Not a heart that shirks away from conflict because it's going to be uncomfortable. But a heart that says, no, nope, this is my part, I've got to sound the trumpet. If you hate me for it, you hate me for it. But, but you've heard, that's not okay. I was faithful to do what Jesus has asked me to do. God, I pray you'd use the truth of your word to affect our lives and change our world one life at a time. And we will give you all the praise and the glory for the work you accomplish in and through it all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.